0: Welcome to What Would Jane Do?, a podcast exploring women's work in cities and urban design. In this episode, we meet with Maria Camila Vaquero Calderón from Cali, Colombia. She is an architect and an urban designer who is passionate about connecting people to places. We talk about her work in the public sector, as well as her research redefining existing boundaries in the city's landscape. Camila, welcome and tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: As you said, I'm an architect and, and an urban designer from the National University of Colombia. I'm really, really excited to be here with you because I think like I'm going to say the cliche word I hate, but this is like really empowering not only women, but like actually being an urban designer in the, in the modern world. So that's really cool.
0: Well, thank you for being with us. Yeah. Why don't you introduce us to your city?
1: Okay, so my, c- my city is Cali. Uh, it's out the south of Colombia. It's near to the Pacific Ocean, and it's what you can call a valley, you know? Like, uh, like heading to the north, you can see mountains to the left hand and river to the right hand. So it's a valley, uh, we have like what you can call a tropical climate and uh, we have like crossing from the mountains to the river. We have five rivers. So when I say that you can like uh, imagine a really sustainable city, but actually it's not that sustainable, but it makes it like really unique. So that's my city.
0: And what about your favorite space in this in the city?
1: My favorite space, it's a public space that's called like the Boulevard River from the uh, Cali River. And actually it is because it has, um, it's like an urban project that respects the river, makes you see the river. And when you, uh, when I said to you that Cali is like a sustainable city because it has, it has five rivers crossing to the Cauca River. One of that rivers are, is the Kali River, you know? But actually, it's the only one that you can really see in the city. The other four rivers are not like uh, that open and are like important to the city. So, this urban project, the Boulevard the, the, of the River, respects that river, makes you see the river and like just contemplate, space it, sit around. I think we can say that Latin American people really like to sit and see people passing around. So uh, that public space really lets you do that. So it's really cool. It's really uh, usable. There's always people there. Uh, It's really really, uh, a usable space and has all type of people. It's really like uh, a good interpretation of what the public space means. So that's I think that's
0: my favorite space. I, I've actually, I think we've all been there because I took you guys there when you, you came here. Yeah, I
1: was, recognize I, it. I was going to ask if
2: that was the place that you took us where they had like the the cat statues along the river. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it is.
0: So now that you've taught, uh, told us about your favorite space in the city, that is actually my fir- favorite space in the city as well. Tell us about what you're currently doing.
1: Maybe I have to make a, a little bit of history. My first work was at Quito, Ecuador. Uh, I worked at a company that's called Arquitectura X, like X Architecture. And they're really known in Latin America because they, they want a lot of prices because of the house where I actually worked at. That's called the X House. And I was really excited about about it because I thought at that moment that I really, really wanted to be uh, an architect. You know, like with all that it means. You know, just like to, to project or to design buildings. That's what uh, that's what I thought uh, I was going to do the rest of my life. That when I came back from from that first job, I got the opportunity to work at the you, the urban renovation office. Of Cali and eh, that we're designing the green corridor that it's an urban space here in Cali and I got there just like really junior architect. I was like at, at first time I was like a, a little bit mad I have to say because as I was telling you I wanted to be like an emblematic architect so I was thinking like this is not my, my space, my spot. Uh, why am I uh, working on this if I, I want to make architecture? But as I started to work there, I remembered the importance of being an architect. Because when you design, you have to design for other people, not for you. And I think I was a little bit, I don't know, uh, wrong at that time when I thought I have to make emblematic buildings and not maybe think on who, who was going to use my emblematic buildings, you know? When I start realizing that fact, I really like that job. And that made me be really interested on the on the urban space. Now I'm working for the city of Palmira, also in the planning uni- uh, office. And uh, we are like trying to make better that little city. Uh, Palmira is a city that's actually, uh, when you get to the airport, that airport is for is from Palmira mm. City, not from Cali City. So all that traveling from the airport to Cali, it's Palmira. And all that sugarcane you see like to all the sides, uh the trees and, and that like long long street till you get to Cali, it's Palmira. I'm working there now and trying to make better uh that city that's a little bit smaller than Kelly, the 90% of that city, of that municipality is a uh, rural space, rural area. And only like the, yeah, like the 10% is urban area. So it's another like uh, type of city. Kelly, is almost uh, all urban, but it's really interesting. And we're trying to make their urban policies that can make better the city.
0: Do you think that because Palmira is a smaller city than Cali, is it easier to implement urban policies there? Because it's like a city that is still is still growing?
1: Not at all. That the the thing of being smaller, it's not really like the difference, you know? Like people there is it's also trying to get from the concept and i think that's a very latin american concept but maybe like uh from getting to a town yeah from passing to being a town to make a city and that's also in the head of the people who live there and who uh was born there you know like they're always thought they they were a town they they don't they don't really uh get their municipality as a real city so that mm-hmm. I think the real challenge there is like change that concept that you're not lo- you're not a town, you're a city, and because you're a city, you need a good public space. Like responsibility of of who you want to be in this city, because mm-hmm. they have a lot of problems problems of transportation, a lot of motorcycles. I think that's also. <laughs> a very Latin American problem. And they don't respect like the boundaries between the space for people for walking and the space for moving your motorcycle. And there, that are like really the challenges we have on that city, trying to make, to change people's concepts of the town to a city. And that policies are different for from Cali's policies, you know, because we're here we have a more structured city more ancient city, if you can say that, and Palmira is more like uh, a city where always the sugarcane has been like the first income, you know, thing. <laughs> all, almost all the people live from uh, or cultivating or processing sugarcane, and not like for from you know like which you can have a normal cities that people go to work to normal spaces. Yeah, so I think that's the challenge really in Palmetto.
3: So if you say that the citizens may still see it as a town, but you are now arguing that it's actually growing more. I mean, it's becoming a a bigger place and it's definitely things that can be cared of in terms of urban design and, and change it for the better. And I mean, urban design is most of the time also about communicating these changes or asking the citizens about what they want. So how has your... Kind of collaboration with the citizen been so far? Are they open to it, or are they? Yeah, what are the what are the responses to it?
1: In Colombia, we have like since nineteen ninety seven a policy, a national policy, which makes little cities to have their own policies. Uh, that's called the POT, and Palmeta now has the POT or the land policy from. 20, yeah, from 2001. So we have like the same policies going around since 20 years ago. So people are really interested in changing that, that doesn't reflect nowadays needs and nowadays uh, changes they want to make. But because of that land policy, we can make like changes right now. We have to, uh, as you said, Uh, Talk to people, ask them what they want to do, what they need for their space. Because one thing is what you think uh, space needs as an urban designer or or as an architect or as a politician. And other thing is what people need to their Mm -hmm. space to be safe, to be uh, comfortable, to be, um, yeah, to have a really enjoyable life or, uh, yeah. So, That POT, as the land the national policy says, has to have a process which is called like a participation process. Yeah. So you have to make people involve you have to involve people from the start of the land policy to the end of the land to the making of the land policy. And now uh, I'm working actually on that new POT. So it's like yeah it's a really good opportunity to not only say we have to change the town to the city but also to make people really interested on how they want to change that or or why not or why they have to change it and it's a really great opportunity cuz we can make policies that really change their lives for hmm. good. So it's it's really it's really interesting I yeah, think. Yeah, definitely.
0: So you have mentioned that it was nearly a coincidence that you entered the field of urban design. But when you realized this was the field you wanted to practice, you took on a master's in urban design in Bogota. What did you focus on in your studies?
1: I really got interested, as I told you, uh, on studying urban design because I think that's what happened taking into account the name of the podcast, like what Jen Jacobs did, you know, like really looking around. You Sometimes as an architect and also as an urban designer, you just got like, or you think you have to make new things, you know, like, oh, so I'm, I'm going to take this empty space and I'm, I'm, I'm going to make a building. And sometimes you don't valorate what you already had on the city that can make cities like, Really um, vital, you know. So that's when I realized I really liked to be an urban designer. When I got to study in, and I decided to study urban design at the National University of Colombia, I I think I reinforced that idea because I um, I can, I have to tell you a really Latin Latin American problem another one. <laughs> Uh, that are, like, gated communities. We have here gated communities, a lot of gated communities, I have to say, like, here exactly in Cali, we have, like, the 80% of the buildings are gated communities. And they are not really good for the city because what causes the gate um, and <laughs> really makes bad things to the street to the community, to the neighborhood, and if you go like out of the the scale, it it becomes like bigger and better, if you can say that. So, uh, I really saw on the urban design the opportunity to revalorate that spaces of the city because these gated communities are going to be in my city like other 60 or 80 or 70 years, so the, the solution would not be, like, think about uh, just, yeah, like, get taking down those gate communities and making good solutions because that was not going to be, uh, like, the answer, you know? So I started, like, studying what other urban designers as Jen Jacobs, Popper, as, as another urban designers just studied and tried to make that, Uh, a solution for my city for that problem and just like design urban strategies that can be implemented on those spaces. I think that really uh, helps to make better cities better spaces. I think with that problem uh, of the gated communities, I realize also that urban design can be can be um, just a solution uh, of shaping the city. You have to be uh, or or take into account some people from the social discipline, uh, financial people. Uh, You have to check a lot of other problems that have to be involved of solving that problem. But I have to make my thesis or my investigation as an urban designer. So I know it has a lot of elements that can be solved with what I designed, but I think that, that that helps the city.
0: I think we need a little bit like for a visual understanding of what what gated communities are here. So mm-hmm. imagine yourself you're like a like a square. Each square is a gated community and between each square you have like one or two meters. In a way they're creating these kinds of pathways that no one uses and they become Dangerous to the to the to the environment, to the context, or the neighborhood.
1: Yeah, and, and another thing I have to say for your like visual imagination, it's uh, these gated the gated communities from Latin America are not likely like, for example, have you seen on U.S. Yeah, it's not like exclusive gated communities where you have ponds and big houses and big yards. It's not that. It's like uh, replicable gated communities. The same gated community is right next to the other, right next to the other, right next to the other. And here people live on gated communities because they don't feel like secure of other people. And in that gated community, they feel equal to the other one. So they don't feel like the other one It's going to rob them because they have exactly the same things, the same car, the same, also like the same uh, furniture, maybe uh, their kids are studying maybe at the same school. So they feel secure because they are equal. That's why the gated community finally makes them feel. So with that, the, with that urban strategies, I'm not talking about open that gated communities because that would make, yeah, make bigger the social problems. But what I, what I tried to do with that investigation was like make better that gated concept for the city. So if you can change that gate, that little gate that's not making anything to the environment and put like a little small building like, you know, like with that urban infills kind of mm-hmm. strategy and just like put small buildings with small yeah format that you can put there, for example, a little store, a gym that all the community can use, not only the gated community, but maybe people from the other gated community that doesn't have a gym can go there. And that makes, like, I don't know, a modern version of the neighborhood, like also the, I don't know if I can call this, but Le Corbusier, a vertical, you know, block. City, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, like, not going uh, also to that vertical city of Le, of Le Corbusier, but taking that services to everybody, not only the one that, yeah, that lived there on the blocks. That's what I tried to, to do with my investigation. I, I think I have to say also that this was not only what I thought I, I went when I was doing that to public offices. that it's who makes the the policies. I went to academic resources that also can see maybe that investigation as a light to make their students think of how to make better the city that it's already there and not making new cities. That's sometimes what we do when we are studying architecture or urban design. And I went to the people who built this kind of gated community to try to make to get information from them. And when I finished the investigation, to said to say to them, see how you can change that gated that gate to a small building to get maybe more income because you're selling more more squares, mm-hmm. uh, or you can maybe let the people from the gated community to have that as a common space and maybe if they rent that space to someone who wants to put their store they can make lower their administration fees or that kind of stuff and get like a um, a better income uh, where they can maintain that small buildings Uh, they they can maintain the streets their gated community also I tried also to make like provable that what I was trying to design—not a crazy idea—that <laughs> someone in a, in a desk just thought it, it would be okay. So that's why I get—I got really interested on. On trying to get on the other spot of making policies and try to make, for example, a policy where you can say no more gated community. Or if you're going to make gated communities, so do it this way and make better your city, not put in a gate, uh, but a small building that can make the street more usable or less insecure. So that's what I'm trying to do now with my, my job.
3: Yeah.
0: Do you think there's any hope? that in the future we're going to see this implemented in how cities are growing or how builders are are building these gated communities?
1: Yeah, I think I can say I make, like, you know, like science. I I didn't make a a vaccine or something like that. I think (laughs) many people, yeah, many people have thought about that, I think. But I think trying to get like more uh details on how to shape the solution make other people interested on on that idea you know uh at least at the national university other students of my master uh program yeah got really interested on that investigation and took it from the point i left it to contradict it say no that's not true that's you're crazy, little girl. (laughs) Or, yeah, this is actually real good. I can make it better because I have to say also as an urban designer, I just got like to the strategy of the urban infield of, yeah, you can put here a block. Yeah, I don't got like to the architecture of it, you know, because thesis has time. So I have to finish my thesis. But uh, those students that, take my my work that took my work for from where I left it uh, are like shaping better those tra- those strategies and some other teachers are getting interested also when I finished my thesis I I, I got to make an interview for a newspaper and they used uh, my investigation uh, to say that Students or people are getting interested in changing the idea of the gated community. They're taking that idea to say to normal people. I say normal people, and I don't know, like referring to people who doesn't understand the urban space. Maybe you know, as to a doctor, to my mom who's a lawyer. Maybe here where I where I live, if we if we have this kind of idea, we can have a gym, or we could have other space
2: we don't have now. I wanted to kind of pick back up to where you were talking about um, kind of spreading this idea to more people that are outside of the field of urban design. But I, I, I love how you're describing it because it's not like, okay, let's tear it all down and start over and rebuild, but working with what we have and then taking these gated communities and in a way like returning them back to the city so that it's it's not just these um, like tiny enclaves where you go in and park and live. and But then you also have like greater access to services if you employ those um, like using using the gate for shops or or other retail spaces what sort of response other, f- other than from your classmates, what sort of responses have you heard from people outside of
1: the field? That's a really interesting question. Anyone who heard about what I was trying to do thought was really, really cool. And was, I think, a part of being cool was like thinking that was really a solution that can be implemented on different spaces, on different cities. I planned it or I designed it for Cali, you know, but, and and with Cali policies and with Cali people, because I have to ask where I make my study case, like the people who live there, uh, why, what they think if I, if I, someone tomorrow gets there with a bulldozer, says, okay, we're taking down the gate and we're putting here, (laughs) what do you think? People who wasn't on the field was really interested also because they thought that would make better their their gated community, for example, or thought was great not to destroy what they have um, maybe bought bought for like their house for all yeah for for older lives, and that can be like a strategy that you can implement on. Any, how do you say that? Like income level? Yeah, here in Latin American Colombia, we have income levels like the ones who has more money and live like on exclusive neighborhoods are on um, level six, you know, and the ones that doesn't have anything have uh, level zero or one. And as the level says uh, is their urban space. Just, you know, like uh, people, <laughs> if you can say that, has more mm. public space, uh, better streets, um, and that kind of stuff. But with this urban strategy, maybe you don't have to mm. think on that because you're making better, even though if it is six or it's zero or one, you're, you're trying to make better the, the space. so." Uh, on the on people on other fields were really interested because they saw other other I don't know facts that you don't have to see either if you're urban designer or not they see they can maybe get better spaces better better streets better public space but uh, more people walking around their, their houses you know like eyes on the streets uh, that kind of yeah, facts that maybe you don't have to know if you're if you're not an urban designer, but you can feel it. So that that was really really good for me too. <laughs> so
0: what about your city? Is giving you hope right now?
1: I have to say, with COVID nineteen, everything stopped. I'm not talking also on the urban space, but like in in our lives, we have to stop and said like okay, so. We were not taking on thinking of what or whom I want to become, but who am I now? So in that stop, in that in that like yeah, stop that everyone has to to do with the COVID-19, uh, we stopped to look around to things we never looked around. So the hope I have in my city now maybe is that this moment of stopping and looking around would make better not only policies, because we are having a lot of policies because of the COVID-19. Our, uh, our cities are trying to make policies. But, uh, for example, in Colombia, we're trying to valorate um, a tax that's called, like, value. I don't know if you can say it like that. Like, it's a tax that you get, that, that the city uh, makes you pay because you're getting value on your street or, or on your neighborhood. So now they're thinking about that tax on the other way. So this kind of taxes and um, that are like now getting born, <laughs> born in, in in this COVID-19 uh makes for example that if you want to have a better public space and you're going to be charged with a tax because you're getting a better public space uh, so people now want to pay it because now you are using your public spaces. You are using streets. You are trying to maybe you get to the to the door of your house and you say, why we don't have here an open street where they can put, I don't know, uh, shares for the day and then pick them up and you can get more space that you don't have at your gated community or at your house. Maybe with this urban strategy can make. Better cities, like for our child, for and all people, because now with the COVID nineteen, I think the most affected population are the the oldest people. They can go around, they can be anywhere, they can. I don't know. So um, I think that's my hope in the city that we are all stopping and looking around and trying to make better spaces because now we figure out we need that spaces so you're I valuing think the, maybe, the space that you inhabit yeah 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 and I and I may maybe making a circle on the start of the podcast when I said I have to stop of thinking I have to make emblematic buildings and I think um I have to make more uh, or take the value of the things that already exist there and make something valuable more valuable about mm-hmm. that so re revalorate that that space we already have well i love that idea i love the idea of
0: valuing what you have now instead of trying to build something better i mm-hmm. mean it something better out of it instead of trying to Tear it down and build something new. Yeah, thank you <laughs> so much for sharing, Camila.
3: Oh, that was lovely, absolutely lovely.
0: Well, thank you, Camila, for being with us today. Um, it was really interesting hearing about your experience working with the m- municipality and your road to becoming what you are today. I think it give, gives us hope to newer generations and our generations that you don't have to follow the traditional route to become who you want to be. And you can look beyond that and become what you want to be. So I think it's really hopeful what all that you said today. So thank you.
2: Thank you, Stephanie, for introducing us to Camila for our third episode.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you guys got to know her. And got to know another perspective
2: from Colombia. We're definitely getting a pattern in the women that we're talking to where we kind of have this idea of what we're going to go into. And then something happens that changes that. And then we end up being either using um, two professions to kind of get to where we want to be or end up kind of being in between them. So it was interesting hearing about Camila's personal progression.
0: I think that's the road many of us have taken. It's just that there's nothing out there that makes it visible for us.
3: Yeah, I always find it so interesting when you somewhat have an idea you want to become when you start, say your university studies. Um, I mean, for Camilla, she had a really passion for for architecture and she held to that thought for such a long time, even though she had started to get into more of the, the urban ideas. And it was a bit like urban planning or urban design, or the urban theory was kind of inviting her even more to try to convince her this is the path. I mean, it was like such a, a bit of a stubbornness, and it's it's a it's kind of a sweet story to just see how she converted. But also, <laughs> that it's not the, the end of her journey; that it's just
2: ongoing. Yeah, definitely. And I love, too, that she was so so um, uh, convinced that she was going to be an emblematic architect. Yeah. I love that. Oh, <laughs> we all had that thought. I remember,
0: yeah, I remember, remember in my third year, I was looking for internships. I wanted, and I wanted to work for all the big firms, all the big architecture firms. So, yeah, we all had that. <laughs> and I, I stopped that. I stopped that in my th- last year, so <laughs> <laughs> I did.
3: And I mean yes. she had the she had the chance as well to do that i mean she she went mm-hmm. to um Work he, with a very good architect yeah and I mean that project we need to add that link to our um mm-hmm. uh, blog post because it's it's a really cool project but I mean even that did not convince her to stay within that particular profession I mean she's still an architect, but she's clearly using it further
0: yeah, it's like Chin Chin's when she said like she is an planner. Wait. Yeah, she's said, a a planner with a designer's mind. Yeah, she's a planner with a design,
2: tla- designer's mind. So I think this is really similar to her story mm-hmm. in a way. I think you can kind of see her progression from architecture to urban planning, especially in her uh master's dissertation. So her project where she's it's definitely on a larger scale looking at kind of the the urban block in Colombia but um suggesting a change in the built environment um I get it I get that because in
0: like if you think about it and how she progressed in her career she needed that step doing like her program in architecture to be really able to understand how people live mm-hmm. and how how to intervene that city that that gated communities that we have right now in Cali. So yeah, it's quite interesting to see how she evolved.
3: She's clearly trying to get to what Shinji is doing as well, connecting people to places, no? That's placemaking. Yeah. So that must be like a universal golden rule at the moment. Is that because of our generation? Even though if you trained in Colombia or in the UK or wherever, or is that just a... No, I think it's something about our
0: generation, about being more in touch with your surroundings, I guess. So what she was doing, she was trying to make things accessible. So it kind of is what you are saying. I mean, by removing the defense the around the gated communities, it makes this, it makes them not this um, like, like hard uh, environment for people to walk by. Mm-hmm. It makes it more welcoming, more, more, spaces for people
3: yeah i mean i mean in that case the fence is very symbolic with keeping in and out isn't it to kind of security and a sense of i'm protected inside here whilst replacing it with a building you're trying to link between communities and you're trying to get people to use that space in a different way
2: Mm -hmm. yeah i think her idea was really compelling because it was taking this gate and this boundary and then kind of returning it to the street while also making it accessible for the people that live within the boundary. Um, And suitable to the context. Right. Without like, without just tearing down and starting over or just proposing a completely new design. It's kind of taking what you have and what people know and then changing it a little bit. and. And making it usable. But Stephanie, do you think that 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 idea would take hold in Colombia? I think it's something
0: about having... I mean, it's a really good idea. A really interesting idea to change how the city has growth for so many years. But I think it's something about how you change behavior of people. So it's, yeah, it's changing how we think. So I was, I was thinking like, if they do this where I live right now, I wouldn't be comfortable living in a place like that, even though I'm an architect and an urban designer. And I think that's the best. So it's like, it's like a confrontation within me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: But I mean, I I think it's interesting because the, the, it's kind of how ideas form. I mean, she's put this idea out in the world and with her education and, you know, people studying after her can take it and expand on it or critique it. Um, and like she had the news story written, people are kind of reading about this idea and it may not, it may not be feasible, you know, in the next five years, but it's something that... Now that the idea That's is it. out there, people will think about it and maybe...
3: Yeah, she maybe, has planted the seed, hasn't she? Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. So maybe in the next uh, 25, 30 years, we'll see gated communities with uh, buildings as the boundaries instead. <laughs> Probably. I mean, I'm just
0: thinking this how what's happening in the last year and like the next year generation and how I think this genera- generation, and the one that's comes, comes after us is more about human contact and social responsibility.
3: Mm, definitely.
0: So what came before us, it was more about capitalism and money, money driven development and I think that's going to change and what she did was like taking a step forward in that that direction and probably a lot of people would will take on that idea and develop it in a much I don't know if it's better way or it will be more recognized I guess I don't know
3: Yeah, it just reminds me of a conversation we've had earlier, Stephanie, where you you told me or us about the development of the city and how maybe the gated communities came first and roads placed afterwards. I mean, you somewhat as as an urban planner want to see that every space is planned, you know, everything is taken into account. So even the spaces in between should be planned, not come as a second priority. Because they are still used by everyone who's... A citizen isn't it yeah and it's funny
0: that you mentioned that because here in Cali we I mean I guess in the perfect board you will plan for for the future like plan how the city is growing where public spaces should be where roads should be but we plan um, like trying to, to solve actual problems so if the city is growing that way then they need they need roads, but the communities are already there. And they, does it make sense what I'm saying?
3: Yeah. It's like you're putting down small fires that popping up.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs>
3: That's what, that this is p- planning
0: in Cali, what it's like right now. So we need to change that as well. <laughs> to build a better city. I don't
3: think you're alone, though. I think that exists all around the world in different shape and forms but that's definitely something overall in planning terms that needs to be to be looked at
2: yeah definitely thanks for listening to what would Jane do tune in next time as we continue to explore women in cities and urban design what would Jane do is hosted by me Caitlin Foote
3: Kaiser Leon Lilja
2: and Stephanie Lepasterna. Together, we make up Collectivo Design Group. You can find us at Collectivo.com, on Instagram at Collectivo Design, and on Twitter at Collectivo DG. And that's Collectivo with a K.